Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. How you guys doing today? Man, who's excited about that Israel trip? That looks awesome. Can't wait to send a team out. Man, it's going to be so much fun. Pastor Michael raves about his experience there, so I know it's going to be life-changing to get to walk where Jesus did ministry. So incredible. You guys having a good Sunday so far? Well, my name is Joey. I've heard it a couple times. Um, I, I'm uh, one of the pastors on the pastoral team, and I get the privilege of leading our youth ministry here at the Town campus, um, among other things. And, and I love being a part of Citizen Heights. It's a great church. I've been here since I was 19 years old, so a whole two years. Just kidding. Um, yeah, so I, I, love, I love Citizen Heights, and I love our pastors, Michael and Heather. They're incredible leaders, and I'm so I'm so blessed by them, and so thankful that they get to get some time away. Um, I know Pastor Michael is celebrating his birthday. If you haven't, wish him a happy birthday. It's too late. Sorry, guys. You missed out. Now, wish, wish him a happy belated birthday. Um, we love our pastors, and, uh, and we're thankful for them. And so uh, we get to preach. So uh, last week, we had Pastor David Davila. Did you guys know we have two Pastor Davids in our church? Uh, we have Pastor David Davila. We have Pastor David Wager. David Wager, um, you're my favorite. Don't tell him. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You guys are equally my friends. Um, some days, some days. <laughs> we love it. So last week, Pastor David Davila preached on the subject of worship. And so we're going to continue that subject today. Um, and coincidentally, I'm going to be talking about another David, a David in the Bible, um, a very well-known person in the Bible. And so um, this year has been incredible. Pastor Michael started off this year with the Blessed Life series, and we learned several essential habits that we need to grow in God, and, and we learned about the, the importance of prayer. We learned about the importance of the Word, that it's not just uh, uh, stories in a Bible, but it's God's Word to us. It's God's truth. It's God's reality to us. And then we learned about generosity. We talked about uh, the, the tithe test challenge, which is really uh, giving 10%, which is honestly keeping the 90% and being obedient with the 10%. And then we even went on to talk about generosity, extravagant generosity, where we get above and beyond. And I love that because it's really an act of worship when we trust God with everything that we are. That's what worship is. And so let's talk about worship. Worship is what we do and who we are as Christians and did you know that worship is the only thing that God can't do for himself? He can't worship himself. It's something that we have to offer to him. And it's more than just 15 to 20 minutes on a Sunday morning. It's more than just songs. It's more than just lifting up our hands. It's, it's a lifestyle, and worship is important to God. And so let's talk about it. Before we do, let's pray and ask God to be with us. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that your word changes us, and I thank you that a moment in your presence changes everything, Lord. So we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to be in this place. I pray that you speak through me, but speak to me, speak to all of us in this place, that we would leave here differently, we would leave here encouraged, we would leave here transformed into the people that you're calling us to be, that we would take a next step in our faith, and we invite you, Holy Spirit, to, to be in this place. In your name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So if we're talking about worship, we have to talk, I feel like we have to talk about David. David is a well-known person in the Bible. Everyone knows the story of David and Goliath, and there's several other monumental stories in the Bible about David. In fact, 
There's other greats in the Bible. There's Abraham, and Abraham had 10 chapters in the Bible dedicated to him. There's 11 chapters about Jacob, Jacob who became Israel, like the God's people, like there's a country still named after this guy. He only got 11 chapters. David got 66 chapters in the Bible. There's 1,200, 1,200 references to, the, to David's name, and there's 59 references in the New Testament. And when you think about David, David was, the, the, the Bible describes David as a man after God's own heart, and he was a worshiper. And so when, when the Bible is talking about David, it's often talking about worship. In fact, David wrote many of the Psalms, many of the worship songs in the book of Psalms, which was about magnifying God. It was about worship. So I believe that God wants us to know what it means to worship. Worship is important to God. And so David's life was about worship, and, and you could see it in the stories. In, in the David and Goliath, there was a triumphant moment, uh, one of his peaks, one of, one of the great moments of David's life. He defeats the giant, and he worships God. But even in the low moments when he, he's being pursued by his king, Saul, who Saul wants to kill him, and he's running, yet David's response was still worship. One of the, one of the great things that David wanted to do was, was uh, to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, a great accomplishment, a great thing, that, a great uh, mission that David had. And in the midst of that, his response was to worship. And even in the lowest of lows, at the loss of his family, all of his possessions were gone, everything was in flames, and it seemed like his life was over, David's first instinct was to worship God. In the highest moments and the lowest moments, his first instinct was to worship God. Because he knew that worship invited God's presence. Come on, we need his presence today. And the, the cool thing about David is that the king, kingdom that he was the king over, his kingdom prospered over it prospered more than any other kingdom under his leadership. So when David was king, the kingdom prospered more than any time before and after him. David was a good leader. He was a good king. And I just, if you're a business leader, if you're a, if you're a leader of a household, if you're, I mean, we all have dominion somewhere. I, I'm, I'm listening in. I'm leaning into to the life of David and his life of worship because when we begin to learn to worship, then we begin to see prosperous blessings in our lives and our businesses and, and the things that we have dominion over, the things that we have leadership over that God has put in your life. I want to be a leader like David. Um, and even, Jake, even Jesus quoted David several times, uh, many times he booked, he actually quoted the book of Psalms uh, that David wrote a lot of. He quoted the book of Psalms more than any other Old Testament book. And so when he was quoting the Psalms, he was quoting songs of worship. Jesus knew that if we learn to worship, that people would come to him. And so David wrote those songs, and he brought the presence to the people. One of his greatest missions was to bring the presence of God to the people. So your worship, your, can I encourage you that your worship reaches people, your life of worship reaches the people around you, and when you begin to live a life of worship outside of these four walls, and you take it to your Monday through Saturday, that the, the world around you starts to shift, that people start to see you differently because of who you worship and how you live a lifestyle of worship. There's a, a prophecy in Acts um, Acts chapter 15 and verse 16, it says, Afterward, I will return and restore the fallen house of David. I will rebuild its ruins and restore it so that the rest of the humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles. The Gentiles are the people that were far from God. They were not God's chosen people. That was the Israelites, including the Gentiles, all those who have called mine. Come on. David's mission was to bring the presence to the people and to all people because worship isn't just for us. It's for everyone. 
And so, and so what David did is uh, he, he prioritized the tabernacle. There, the, there was a thing called the Tabernacle of David, and he, he had a mission to bring the Ark of the Covenant. And if you don't know what the Ark of the Covenant is, it's more than Indiana Jones. It's a real thing. Um, and so, so the Ark of the Covenant is something that Moses built. It, it held the, the, the Ten Commandments, and, and it, was a pre- it was a place that the presence of God lived. In fact, in the Old Testament, we're talking about the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament... Uh, the, the way you approach God was different because we would ha- they would have to sacrifice and they would bring sacrifices to be in his presence because God was so great and so just and so powerful and the veil had yet to be torn. Jesus had yet to come and so they had to come with him with sacrifices to be in his presence. Jesus later came and he tore the veil and he made way and he was a sacrifice for all of us so that we could approach him and we can be in his presence and his presence could be anywhere we go. But in the time, his presence was in the Ark of the Covenant. And this is where Moses would go to talk to God. The ark held the presence of God. And again, it had the commandments in it. And, and David, when he became king, he wanted to bring this to his people. It had, it had been taken away. It had, it had been used for, for many uh, wars and, and, and battles and, and victories. But, and so it had been stolen. And so David wanted to bring it back to his people, bring it back to the people of God. Um, and so at th- up to this point, uh, it, people had been banned from being in the presence of God. And so David said, I want to shift that. And what's cool about the Ark of the Covenant, it has many components, and you can read about it, but one of the, my favorite components is there's a seat. It's called a mercy seat, and it's not a literal seat. It's actually a lid that covers, that, that closes the Ark of the Covenant. But, but the language of a mercy seat is so interesting to me because when I think about bringing the Ark of the Covenant like David did and, and bringing it to worship, it's really, it reminds me of, of pulling up a seat to the table and inviting the presence of God in my day-to-day life. And so when you think about the mercy seat, it's God's mercy that, that saves us. It's God's mercy that transforms us. And we invite his mercy into our life, and we begin to see the transformation in it. The mercy seat. Come on. So the ark had a mercy seat, and so the people, the people would, would sacrifice, do a sacrifice for of a, the sacrifice of atonement would happen on the mercy seat. Come on, and it's a, it's, a, it's a lid that covers, come on, his mercy covers our sins. His mercy covers our failures. He covers our past, and we go to God, and, and we lay down our lives. We see his mercies come through and see his goodness on the other side. Come on, let's create a seat for his presence. We create a seat for his presence in our worship. Come on. And, and so David, again, his, his mission was to bring this to the people. So what David did is he started breaking the norms. There was a lot of tradition tied to the Ark of the Covenant. There was ways you were supposed to manage it. In fact, people, people lost their lives because of their mismanagement of the Ark of the Covenant. And so David wanted to bring this to the people. And so what he did is he set it up, and they would put it in a tent. But he rolled up the curtains, and he brought in the worship, the music, so that the presence of God could be felt in the, in the places around him. He wanted to bring the presence of God. And David teaches us many things about God's presence and about worship. So let's take a, let's take a look at four quick and easy lessons that we could see about worshiping and how David taught us to worship. For, so number one, worship is a lifestyle. Come on, we talked about this last week, but worship is a lifestyle. It's more than singing. It's more than music. It involves our entire lives. And we should give thanks to God for all aspects of our lives. Not just when we're, we're, we're in church, but when we're, when we're living our lives, we give him thanks. It says in Psalm uh, 103, 103 and verse 2, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, 
and forget not his benefits. Come on, we're so good at the second half. We're so good at forgetting all the benefits. We're experts at spotting what we don't have. We're experts at analyzing the situation and seeing what there is that lacks. But can we pause for a moment and say, thank you, God, for all the blessings that I have. Thank you for the breath that I breathe, the family that I have, the church that I have, the friends that you've given me, the food that I eat, the life that I live. Jesus, you've given it to me, and it's by your mercies that I could, that I could live this life because I haven't earned it. I don't deserve it, but yet you bless me. Come on, forget not his benefits, but bless the Lord, oh my soul. From the inside out, we thank you, God, for what we have. We thank you for a good God that we get to serve. Come on, it's not, let's not get caught up in our lack, because what happens when we get caught up in what we don't have, we get caught up in the lack, it leads us to try to overcome those things on our own. We lean on our own strength because it's, it's our own lack, but we realize that God is not a God of lack, but that God is a God of provision that he's given us more than enough, and we trust in him, then we begin to allow him and involve him in the solution for the, for the gaps that we see. Come on, and he exceeds our hopes. He exceeds our, our, our expectations, our, the plans and the hopes that we have for our lives. God's are bigger and better, and he'll surprise you with his goodness. Come on. The second thing we learn on how to worship from David is his worship is an act of surrendering ourselves, ourselves to God. So when we worship God, we worship him humbly. It says in uh, Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. So when we go to God, we go to him with a humble heart. We, we give him everything and we, we, we lay down our lives and we come in an act of surrender. That's why we lift up our hands in worship. That's why we, that's why we lift up our hands, or we lift up our hands because it's, a, it's an act of surrender. This is, this is a universal, universal sign of surrender, is to lift up your hands and say, God, everything I have is yours. I surrender my life, I surrender my future and my hope, but we go to him and we go to him humbly. And what's interesting about going to him humbly is we often think about, uh, about going in a, in a meek spirit. And, and, but it sometimes humbly also means to, to realize that you're not too good for God, but you're not too bad for God. God is for you, and, and you don't qualify for God. God has made you qualified to be in his presence, to, to seek him. So we worship him, we go to him humbly, and with a contrite heart, and with a, with a humble spirit. Um, even Jesus, uh, in Matthew 15, uh, verse 8, says, this is what Jesus said. He was calling out the Pharisees. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. Come on, we don't go to God based on rituals. We don't go to God based on tradition, but we go to him because we love him. Come on, you're not too good, you're not too bad, but true worship is, is not following the rules, but it's connecting to God in spirit and in truth. Come on, we're connecting to the God of the universe in spirit and in truth and with all that we are. And so when we worship, number three, David taught us in worship that worship should be done joyfully and enthusiastically. Come on, we go to God with joy and with enthusiasm. It says in Psalm 95, verse one, it says, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. We did that this morning. Let us make a joyful noise unto the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, making a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Come on. 
True worship involves praising God, the God of the universe, and it, it means getting loud about what we believe, getting excited about what we believe to be true, that God is our God, that he is the king of kings, that he is king over every situation and every circumstances. We can get excited about that. I, I'm personally uh, not a very uh, emotional person. I'm not very uh, expressive in, in how I live. Some, if, if you know me, you're probably the one that's laughing. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, not how, that's not how I express myself. I'm really kind of, I, I don't want to say monotone, but I'm just like, you know, I'm not too high, I'm not too low. And so I struggle with receiving compliments. And trust me, I get a lot of compliments. Um, <laughs> No, but when I get a compliment, I, I, I never know how to respond to a compliment because uh, I don't want to say thank you because I feel like then I just like, I, by the way, you should just say thank you. I'm just, I'm learning this still. Um, but, but I don't want to say thank you because I feel like I'm just like too like gloaty, which I just did. But, but anyway, um, but, uh, but I don't know how to respond to gifts either. Like when someone gives you a gift, you guys know what I'm talking about. When you get a gift, like, like I want them to know that I like it, but like I just it's just not me to jump up and down like, yippee, thank you for my gift, you know? But what I realize and what I've started to shift my perspective is that what's more important than me expressing myself a certain type of way, the, what's more important is that they know that I'm thankful. What's more important than, than how I feel and how I look is is that they know that I appreciate the gesture, that I appreciate the offering, the gift. And so when we go to God, we show, we show our appreciation and we show it with joy because, because I can go to a stadium and, and if I'm jumping off or if I'm on the couch, I'm watching my team, they score a touchdown. I'm jumping off the couch, I'm pumping my fist, I'm, I'm screaming at the top of my lungs because I'm excited about what just happened. Come on, some of us can get excited about what God is doing in our world today, what God is doing in our lives today. Some of us can be excited because we're thankful for what he's done and we're excited for what he's yet to do in our lives. And so we get loud, we get enthusiastic, we lift up our voices and we praise him. Make a joyful noise, come on. Jesus. <laughs> Number four, how do we worship based on what David taught us? We worship, we learn that worship is an act of submission to God's will and authority. Come on, we should be willing to lay down our lives, our plans, our desires before him so that he may lead us on his path instead of our own. It says in Psalm 25, show me, uh, verse four, it says, show me your ways, O Lord, teach me your paths, lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God, my savior. On you I will wait all day long. And so when we worship him, we trust him. And when we worship him, we ask him to lead us. And, and, that, and we surrender our lives and we commit ourselves to follow his path, that his paths are greater than our paths, that his purposes are greater than our purposes. And so when we worship him, we worship him completely. Come on. The, when I think of life, my, my biggest ruts are when I become the focus of myself, right? When I start to think about my needs and, and my demands and, and I need this and they're not doing this. This is not enough for me and, and they're not taking care of me. That When I start to think of that way, I find myself in a rut. But when I lay down my life and say, God, your way, you're creating a path. You are the provision. And when I, and though I feel like it might not be enough, Lord God, you're going to show me that it is enough and you're going to exceed my expectation because your plan over mine is the best plan. Come on, we want, we want his purposes. We want his future and his hope because his plan is better than our plan. Come on, that's what Dave, David laid down his life. That's what, it, that's what worship is. It's a, it's a sacrifice and submission to his authority. It's a submission to, to say, God, your authority, what your word says, 
goes over any opinion that I have. What your word says goes before any, uh, any thought that I have, any plan, any, uh, I might have laid out my five-year, my 10-year, my 15-year my plan, but Lord, your plan is the plan that I want to follow. You can shake it up. You can break it. You could throw it to the side. Your plan is going to be the one that I want to follow. Come on. That's what David did. He led a life sacrificing to him, laying down his life to God. And, um, and we talked about this ark. And so, again, it, the, 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 the mission, this, this vision that, that David had was to bring the ark of the covenant wherever he would go because he knew that he needed the presence of God. David understood that with the presence of God, then he could really become the, the leader that he was called to be. He could be the king that God called him to be. And so at one point, he decided that he was going to transport it from the house of Obed-Edom to his tabernacle that he built, that David built. And this journey was a six-mile journey but it was important to David. And so, uh, every, so for six miles, they would transport the, the ark. And there was a lot, again, there was a lot of tradition and ritual connected to this. But what David did is, is as he brought the ark to six, every six paces, he would stop. So for a six-mile journey, every six paces, six paces is two feet, six inches, inches, he would stop. And so this is what they would do. So he would say, one, two, three, four, five, six. He would stop. He would build an altar. He would sacrifice an ox. He would sacrifice a lamb. I mean, sacrifice, like, kill it, like, process it. Lamb, kill it, process it, burn it, and then worship. And then one, two, three, four, in the same direction. Five, six, stop it. Build the altar. Sacrifice the ox. Sacrifice the lamb. Burn it. Worship. Six paces again. And he did that again for six miles one th- or 12,672 stops. It took him 78 days to transport six miles. I'd hate to be the car stuck behind him in traffic. But David did that, and he stopped, and he worshiped. Every six paces, he stopped, and he worshiped because he knew it was worth the cost. It was, wor- it was worth the worship, that his worship would change the atmosphere and that his presence would change his kingdom. His presence would change everything. And so he would stop and he would worship because he knew that God's presence is what he needed in his life. And he, know- he knew that that's what his people needed. He knew that that's what the world needed. We need his presence. And David saw victory after victory, victory after victory, because the presence was always with them. Victory, battle after battle, they would lead with worshipers, they would send out the worshipers, and they would win time after time, because God's presence was with them. Well, can I tell you that there's power in your worship? and that your worship is a weapon, and so lead your life with worship. Everything that you do, magnify his name. Decide that he is above every other thing. When we worship, that's what we do. We're elevating God and saying, God, you're more than anything I could understand. You are great, and you're faithful, and I'm serving you. That's what we do in our worship. Your worship is a weapon. I'm going to invite the band to come on stage. In Mark 5, we see a man who encountered the presence of God and changed everything. It says that Jesus, he was ministering, he had, he had arrived to the other side of the lake and he had encountered a man. He was a man that was possessed by an evil spirit. An evil spirit, which we later find out was 2,000 demons known as legion. 
And so this man, this is, the life that he lived was, was uh, basically he was just exiled. They, they sent him to, to live in the burial tombs and in the, the caves. And, and he lived in a cave and, it, and they couldn't even restrain him with chains. They would try to hold him down. They would try to restrain him with chains. But, but he would just break free. And, and, and he spent day and night just wandering and howling and cutting himself, suffering. No man was strong enough to subdue him. And so there he was just torturing himself and, and, and sleepless nights, just, just wailing and screaming and, and, and just suffering in this tomb. But then Jesus arrived to the other side of the lake, and it says in Mark 5, verse 6 says, When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, and he ran to him, and he bowed low before him. Come on, even those 2,000 demons couldn't stop him from worshiping God. Can I tell you that nothing is authorized to stop your worship? No diagnosis, no hurt, no loss, no failure. Nothing can stop you from worshiping him. Nothing has authority over your worship. Everything bows before his feet. In that moment, Jesus cast out the demons. And it says that the man was completely sane. In Mark uh, 5.15, it says, As Jesus was getting into the boat, immediately after he gets back into the boat, the man who had, who had been demon-possessed begged him to go with him. But Jesus said, No, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of the region and began proclaiming the great things that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Come on, a moment in Jesus' presence changed everything. The guy went from, from suffering and pain and condemned and exiled to ministering and changing the world around him. And he stepped in into the situation. He said, look at my God. Look how great he is. Look what he did for me. I'm no longer restricted. I'm no longer in chains, but I'm set free. There's freedom in your worship. And you can step into that freedom and you can proclaim the name of God in your situation. And you'll see that every knee bows, every tongue confess, and we bow before, everything bows before our God. Nothing has authority over our God. Whatever your situation is, it bows before God. Whatever failure you might feel, it bows before God. Whatever you think is, is holding you from God, it, it, it's removed when you worship Him and you unlock the presence of God and His presence is for you today. And we're going to stand to our feet and we're going to lift up the name above every other name because He's worthy. His presence is with us and we're healed and He's for you. Lift up the name of Jesus.
to a new house and we had a really scary situation happen. Um, my, my, my second daughter, my two-year-old, she had locked herself in the room and, and we didn't know how to get in and it was the middle of the night and she's screaming, mommy, daddy, hold me. And she's screaming at the side of the door and we're, we're running through the house, everything's in boxes and we're just tearing them open because we need to find a way to get through that door to hold her and let her know that she's safe and let her know that she's okay, and she's screaming and screaming, and, and we're just trying to figure out a way. And I, we got in, and, and she was okay, but, but I think about that moment, and I think about the, the side of the door that my daughter was on, and it just this image of my mind of the people, the people that are seeking His presence, the, the people that are seeking something real, something, a love that they never understood, a, a, a tr a something that's true, something that changes everything, and their God is on the other side of the door, and they're just crying out, how can I get to the other side of the door? Can I tell you that your worship unlocks that door, and it invites the presence of God, into the situation you have the key he's given you the keys to his presence and we have access to him because Jesus came and he died and he lived this life and, and he made his presence available to you and me what I love about the story in Mark of the man who, who was healed and he was no longer demon possessed is, is looking a chapter earlier. What happened before that moment it says Jesus crossed the sea and he landed ashore but where was he coming from the other side of the sea before that in Mark 4 we read about Jesus ministering and he's ministering to thousands to tens of thousands so many people that he had to get on the boat so the people could see him and hear him and he ministers a miracle after miracle and his presence was there but then he left and he crossed the sea and and during that cross is a, a famous story about the storm that came the disciples calling him and they called and, and Jesus came out and he calmed the sea and then they arrived to the garrisons where that man was suffering with 2,000 demons and he was healed. I don't know if you noticed, but after that healing, he left. What am I saying is that Jesus left to 20,000 with his foreknowledge. He knew it was to come. He left to 20,000. He got into a boat. He fought through a storm and he arrived to bring a breakthrough to that one man. Come on. Can I tell you that Jesus left the 99 to go after the one and you are the one that he's pursuing. He's going after you. His love is for you. And a moment in his presence changes everything. But it all starts with a moment to say yes to his promises. Yes to his, a relationship with him. So with every eye bowed and every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to have a moment right now. An opportunity to respond to the love of God. An opportunity to say yes to his promises and an opportunity to start a relationship with you, with him. Again, with eyes closed, just for a moment of privacy. If that's you, I'm going to count to three and you're going to lift up your hand. And what, you're going to, what you're doing when you lift up your hand, you're saying, I want a relationship with God. I want to live my life for him and I want to, I want to declare and I want to make the confession that he is Lord over all. So one, today is the day of salvation. God is for you and he's coming for you and he came for you and he lived a life and he laid down his life, a perfect life on that cross 
so that you could be free too. Come on, God's for you. He loves you. And today is a moment where everything can change when you go into his presence. Three, if that's you, lift up your hand all over the room. Come on, see those hands. Jesus, Jesus. We're all gonna pray and repeat after me. Jesus, I thank you that you love me. Thank you that you love me. I thank you that you live for me. And that you died for me. That you paid the price of my sins on that cross. I thank you for your sacrifice. And I thank you because of your sacrifice, I am free. So I give you my life. My life is yours. My past is yours. My future is yours. I am going to live for you. By your grace, I'm saved. I am a Christian. In Jesus' name we pray.